and welcome to this special edition of Hidden Headlines. Brian Sussman here. No fancy music like we usually do for Hidden Headlines. No high quality, very expensive microphone like we usually do on Hidden Headlines. Instead, I'm literally broadcasting from the dining room of my mother's home in uh, the Chicagoland area. I'm visiting my mother after purchasing a one-way ticket from my home in California. I'll give you the whole story, and thank you for joining me on this special edition, and I hope this is, I hope, I know it's going to be valuable for me to talk about a lot of the things that are rumbling through my brain, but I, I hope it's valuable for you as well, and maybe even for a dear friend who needs to hear what I'm going through and what I'm thinking right now. Because at some point in time, all of us will be where I am. If not, many of you have already been there. Uh, let's begin with the visit to Chicago and a one-way ticket. I was just here two weeks ago. I rushed out two weeks ago to visit mom because for some unknown reason to me, um, my mother, it was obvious to me, she wasn't feeling 100%. When I visited her back in February, and from subsequent phone conversations, it seemed like she was strangely declining, but I didn't know what was going on with her health. She just wasn't coming forward with anything for us. And indeed, the visit two weeks ago confirmed my suspicions. She was just not well at all. When I was here two weeks ago, I was so taken aback and concerned that at my urging, we visited several independent and assisted care living facilities. I was trying to convince her, Mom, you know what? You're going to end up taking a fall. You're going to break a hip. This is not good. You, you, need, you need to be in a safe living place with your husband, Marvin. My mother's 87. Marvin's actually a little older, but he's in, he's in tremendous condition. He, he'll walk several miles at a shot. So he's okay, but still, even at the age of 91, should she go south, he wouldn't be able to help her. And that was my concern two weeks ago. So we visited several independent and assisted care living facilities. My brother, Brad, was with me. He drove in from Cleveland. And neither one of us could put a finger on what was physically wrong with mom. She just was not talking. And then 10 days after that visit, just a few days ago now, uh, she took a major fall. It was almost as if, well, I predicted this would happen. It was very clear. She was walking so poorly. And I had convinced her to start using a walker. She was using a cane. Uh, Brad and I both said, no, Mom, you need to use a walker. So uh, she had taken a small spill at the house after we left a couple weeks ago. And a neighbor came and, and gave her the walker. Then, then, just a few days ago, she took a major spill and conked her head on, on the hard floor of her bathroom and was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance, and she needed eight staples to the back of the head. But while she was at the hospital, they noticed her vitals were way, way off. And they did subsequent tests, and they discovered mom had, mom had advanced, or has, I should say, advanced liver and kidney cancer. At her age, there's no cure. Now, we knew she had a recent bout with bladder cancer, but 
that appeared to be under control. So this new diagnosis was sobering, and it made us wonder why she hadn't complained to her doctor about these issues, especially given the fact that she's a registered nurse. She's always been tough. She's always been strong. She's always been stubborn, or as her brother likes to say, boneheaded. But she was powering through these debilitating symptoms of a deadly disease, and she never once complained. You know, since since she was hospitalized, I've looked at her hospital records. In December, she was diagnosed with some type of acute kidney disease. Nothing about cancer, though and nothing about liver cancer. So this liver cancer, whether it's metastatic or what, we don't know, um, that just blossomed within the last several months. So now I arrive in Chicago. Today is Thursday, and that's when I'm recording this Hidden Headlines broadcast, June 13th, Hidden Headlines. Uh, I came here on Tuesday. So Tuesday I go to the hospital, and I was shocked when I, when I looked at her, my gosh, she, it looked like she had aged years. She's in a hospital bed asleep. Uh, I spoke with the doctors. I spoke with the oncologist. I spoke with a hospitalist. And they were all talking days, weeks at most. Uh, the oncologist has been, all the, all the physicians, all the nurses, the entire staff's been great at this hospital. As generally speaking, they are in these facilities. Uh, th- these people are, you know, they, they've, they've chosen a profession that requires a certain temperament, right? A certain personality. Uh, the oncologist has been forthright. He, he thinks time's about a week. Uh, so I... I felt I should be the one to give her the sad news. And I did. I thought, I'm the oldest son. This is my responsibility to tell her what's going on. So I shared with her the sad and and bad news. But I also shared the good news. I shared with her that there is a Savior in heaven who has a place prepared for her. And she smiled and she nodded her head and she squeezed my hand and and I'll talk more about that conversation probably in another episode of Hidden Headlines. But it was, it was a real, genuine moment. She, she was never, and never has been, a religious person per se. That's never a, a, a nice person, sure. A, a charitable person, absolutely. But when it comes to spiritual beliefs, um, she's, always, she's always kept those close to the vest, so to speak. But continuing with some of my thoughts on this, uh, she comes from that greatest generation. These are people who just never complained. These are people who are tough as nails. These are people who grew up in the Depression, and, and they didn't know they were growing up in a Depression. They just thought this was life. It's tough. And then everybody goes off to World War II, and a lot of people don't come back. And those who came back, in so many cases, were determined to have a great life and make sure their kids didn't go through the the crummy life that they went to. And these people worked, and they were they were doers, and they were movers, and they were shakers. And again, they just didn't complain. She is cut from that cloth. So let me continue with further thoughts here. 
And I've got a blog post about this up at briansussman.com. I'll begin with a storyline that I know I've seen somewhere before. Maybe it's an old episode of The Twilight Zone. But a random man or woman opens a newspaper and recognizes the date on the front page is reporting events three months into the future. And the person reads through the news and discovers descriptions of events that have not yet taken place. The sports section reveals scores of games not yet played. Financial page touts winners and losers in the stock and bond markets. And suddenly this person realizes that, whoa, such information could make them exceedingly wealthy. A few large bets on underdog teams, money invested on Wall Street, and bingo. And soon the profits start pouring in. Out of curiosity, this newly minted risk taker returns to the newspaper to see if there's anything else that could garner further profit. The pages are turned, the pages are examined, and oh, up pops the obituary, and it's amazing. Exuberance turns into dismay because the person sees their own photograph and their life story, and now they know that their own death is imminent. You know, my thoughts here are, it's amazing how the knowledge of death instantly erases the joy of great wealth or fame or pleasure or whatever. Here's my mother. She's lying in a hospital bed. My mother, my dad worked very, they, they worked together as a couple very, very hard to provide for us, to make sure we always had a nice house, to make sure that they had nice furniture, nice clothes, they could take nice vacations, they've got a nice portfolio, all of that. Nice, 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 nice. And here she is now laying in a hospital bed. She's in the exact same situation as the person in the next room. They're all in hospital beds. They're all ill. Many of them are terminally ill. It's just amazing how the knowledge of death instantly erases the joys of great wealth or fame or pleasure or whatever. But while acknowledging death may give us perspective, it doesn't necessarily provide comfort. You know, bad people die. Good people die. The atheist dies. The genuine follower of God dies. But what about comfort in knowing what really lies ahead? That, to me, is the game changer. That, to me, is the, that's the biggest question of life. So I dive into the scriptures for you in just a moment. I know some of you listening are not you know, Bible type people. And, and that's cool. I'm not going to judge you for that. But just let me share. I go to Psalm 49. This is right from what people refer to as the Old Testament. Uh, it's part of the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh. It's the writings. This is Psalm 49. These are ancient, ancient Proverbs. Um, it says this, even though people may be very rich, they don't live on and on. They are like animals. They die. That's what happens to those who trust in themselves. It also happens to their followers who agree with what they say. They are like sheep. And they will end up in the grave. Death will be their shepherd. The bodies of sinners will waste away in the grave. They will end up far away from their princely houses. But God will save me, the psalmist is saying, from the place of the dead. He will certainly take me to himself. So it's interesting that the psalmist declares death will be the shepherd of those who trust in themselves rather than 
the Lord. Because I go back to another psalm. This is written by the great King David, Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. See, in Psalm 49, death is the shepherd of those who haven't decided that they want to follow God. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. He lets me lie down in fields of green grass. He leads me beside quiet waters. He gives me new strength. He guides me in right paths for the honor of his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you're with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death is the way this is also translated. You see, in life and death, everybody has a shepherd. So the question is, who is yours? Let me go back to my dad. This is many, many years ago. In the case of my dad, his entire life, he was his own shepherd. He marched to his own drummer. And then finally, about three weeks before he died, he confessed that everything he thought was important, business deals, investments, possessions, were basically crap. I, that may have been the word he used. He may have, he may have used another word. But what he said was, he finally realized what was most important was right in front of me, the family, he said. It took him three weeks before his death, he was dying of cancer. What was most important was right in front of me. And then shortly before his death, just a, I mean, literally hours before his death, 90 minutes to be specific, he finally yielded to his heavenly shepherd. So let me cut to the chase here. The New Testament says this. It's in the book of Romans in the New Testament, which is, which was written by a Jewish rabbi named Paul, or Saul, if you will. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You will be saved. You will be spared death being your shepherd. You know, what's significant about believing that Jesus rose from the dead is that you're acknowledging he is the victor over death and darkness. The promise for believing this is what happened to him will happen to you. You will be victorious over the grave. Death will not be your shepherd. To have faith in the God of resurrection is to believe that when you die, out of the darkness of night, you'll go into the light of the morning. It's to realize that God has paid the ransom for your soul, and he will take you home to be with himself. Does that make sense? Understanding that changes everything. For the believer in Jesus, the righteous person, there is no death into darkness. Instead, there is the light of God. So I'll keep you posted on this, this journey that I'm on right now. And I know many of you are praying for my mother. And she's one tough cookie. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll just I'll keep you in the loop. But uh, thanks for allowing me to share on this special edition of Hidden Headlines. Faith, family, freedom, as I always like to say.
from Chicago, signing off.